And all of God's people said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I believe that there is one affliction, one affliction that all of us, everyone at the sound of my voice is susceptible to or prone to, it will be this, stress. <laughs> stress. Well, how do I define stress? It is our response to physical, mental, emotional, even spiritual pressures or demands that are placed on us that we feel in life. When we get stressed out, we often experience some physical symptoms, whether it would be digestive disorder, uh, disruption of our sleep pattern, nervous tics, or high blood pressure, and on and on and on. I am not a doctor, but I play one on television. <laughs> I often chuckle when I hear one of those so-called experts who come on television or anywhere who say, what you need to do is eliminate stress from your life. And I say, well, how? <laughs> Tell me how. But thank God that in John chapter 14, our Lord Jesus Christ gives us a manual for stress management. Turn to John 14, please. If you are feeling stressed right now, I have good news for you. I have good news for you. John 14, and if you don't have your own Bible, just grab one in the pew in front of you, page 1675. Because the very first thing that our Lord Jesus Christ says to the disciples after they came from the upper room across the Kedron Valley, the very first thing he says to them before he could tell them that I am the way, the truth, and the life, before he says that, verse 1 he says, let your hearts not be troubled. Or... Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. Now, beloved, the fact that more than any other time, at least in my lifetime, and I've seen a lot, individuals are very stressed, highly stressed. Uh, whole institutions are stressed, and, 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 and society at large is very stressed. And that is because... Back yonder, we stopped to trust in God. At least there was a time 50, 60 years ago where society at large trusted in God, even if they did not know him. And so remember that in this place, what we do, we put the text in its what? And this opening statement by our Lord Jesus Christ in verse 1 of John 14 comes right after Jesus prophesied that Peter is going to deny him three times. Right after that. There's no doubt in my mind that 
Peter or even the other disciples, they, 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 they couldn't even conceive of, of him doing that. He, Peter couldn't even imagine denying Jesus. Well, but please put yourself in their place at that time. It's very easy for us so many, 2,000 years, and we read the Bible, and we had Christian heritage and Christian life and Christian Bible study and all that. We, we get away from it. But put yourself in their place. Here they are sitting down around, and, and these disciples were greatly troubled. They were greatly troubled. Uh, they are aware of the mounting pressure. Uh, they... Uh, uh, were told that Jesus is going to the cross. He just told them, uh, and he's going away. Uh, they knew that the priests and the rulers of the Jews really were determined to kill Jesus. Uh, they were so troubled because Jesus told them that one of them is going to betray him. And most of all, they were worried sick just think about this. They were worried sick of losing Jesus. <laughs> After all, he's been their Lord, their Messiah, their leader. And, 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 and if he went away, <laughs> what's going to happen to them? What's going to happen to the mission? Uh, would they see him again? How are they going to see him again? So after he tells them not to let their hearts be troubled, he immediately tells them about that marvelous place that he's going to prepare for them. Immediately. What is Jesus doing? Listen carefully, please. He was gently getting them to focus on the unseen. And the Bible said the seen is temporary, but the unseen is what? Permanent. Listen, from my experience of 52 years in ministry, and uh, th there is nothing like the prospect of death that would focus a person's attention on, on what's really important in life. All the things they fought for, so I'll never forget, it's nearly 30 years ago, a very well-known businessman in this town. Some of you would know who I'm talking about, and he's very well-known, tough businessman, and, and one day he called me, he said, uh, he said uh, uh, drop everything, I'm coming to see you. Now he's been listening to me for a while. And, and he comes in and he said, uh, the doctor told me that I have an operable brain tumor and I'm going to die in a few months. I said, what can I do for you? He said, I've been hearing you long enough to know that I need to be born again. I am not born again. We got on the floor and prayed. And he spent the next several days on the phone asking people's forgiveness. <laughs> this is the most amazing. Then we had him put his testimony on a tape. And, and, and when he gave his testimony, we played it at his funeral. Now, beloved, nothing puts things in perspective like knowing. And this to the disciples here in the same bewilderment. But two of them particularly became so bewildered and confused about all this talk about I'm coming and I'm going and I'll, do, I'll come back and all of that. They just got so confused. Look at verse five. Thomas, Thomas. He said, we don't know where you're going. What is this talk about going and coming? And I'm, I'm so confused. I love Thomas. I really love that man. Don't ever call him doubting Thomas again. I call him Honest Thomas. 
And I thank God for Thomas. You notice Jesus never rebuked him. He never rebuked him when he said that. We don't know the way. We don't know where you're going. How do you know the way? He never rebuked him. Why? Because Jesus gave Jesus the greatest opportunity to proclaim the fifth proclamation that now we are seeing about the exclusivity of Jesus. Are you with me? If you're visiting with us, this is the fifth in the series. I am. Ego ami. In Greek, I am. The way, the truth, and the life. And no one, no one, no one, can you say that with me? That means no one on the face of the earth is going to come to the Father except through me. You know, in my previous life, when I used to belong to mainline denominations, uh, the clergy in, in big meetings or small meetings, and it doesn't matter, they always accuse me of being narrow-minded. Always. Narrow-minded. Publicly, openly, with me, in, in large meetings and small meetings. My response always was not defensive at all. My response always was, thank you for noticing that. (laughs) Thank you for noticing that. (laughs) Thank you for noticing that I'm (laughs) narrow-minded. Often I would say to them, do you want to know why I'm narrow-minded? Most of the time said, no thank you. (laughs) The tragedy is this. So many today among church people who have been so indoctrinated in ignorance. They really do. False teachers and false preachers in their desire to please the hostile culture. They try to alter the truth. They try to modify the facts. They try to color the black and white pictures. (laughs) They try to muddy the water. And they try to confuse the folks. I remember one time after one of those confrontations and, and, and was publicly accused of narrow-minded and all that, the, the intolerant and all those kind of wonderful things. Uh, he came to me and he made sure nobody's watching. And, and he said, uh, you know, I really believe what you believe. I just can't do that publicly. I'll be in trouble. Oh, beloved, listen to me, listen to me. If your desire is to be liked by your peers, if your longing is to please the pagan culture, if you want the approval of the sinful culture, if your purpose in life is to be accepted by this hostile world, then you are placing your eternity in jeopardy. Think about the early Christians, the first Christians, the first century Christians. They would have them saved themselves a ton of trouble. They would have saved themselves many pain and suffering. They would have saved themselves from being thrown into hungry lions or dipped in boiling oil or dipped in tar and lit up in Nero's gardens. They could have saved themselves all of the suffering if they would say what supposedly 65% of church people in America say that Jesus is a way, not the way. Amen. 
They could have saved themselves all this trouble. Well, they sort of feel, great, bring him on. <laughs> we want more gods, not less gods. This is a polytheistic culture, the society. We, they want all the gods to, 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 to just be added to their, to their list of gods that they have. They have avoided imprisonment, torture, and death for being intolerant and narrow-minded, saying that only Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They suffered greatly. All they needed to say is what supposedly 96% of the clergy in the mainland denominations are saying, Jesus is just a way. Not the only way to heaven. This would have saved the skin. But thank God, they persevered. And now we've inherited the faith that the scripture, the word of God, and be encouraged by their courage. Listen, as I said, Jesus did not make this declaration, the way, the truth, and the life in a vacuum. No, he first told them that he's about to go to the cross. He told them that for that reason, he actually left heaven and came in order to die on a cross to save them eternally. Uh, uh, Then he tried to give them a word of encouragement to not let their hearts be troubled. Oh, beloved friends, listen to me. No matter how our world is in trouble, you can look to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. No matter, no matter how many people turn their back on the way, the truth, and the life, you think of your future of reigning and ruling with him forever. No matter how much opposition you receive from your colleagues, from your fellow students or neighbors, uh, you focus on your upcoming reward in heaven. Now let's look deeper into Jesus' declaration of his exclusivity. This whole series talking about the exclusivity of, G- of, of Jesus. And I was about to finish actually uh, in the next few weeks, but then the Lord uh, over the weekend gave me an insight to go for seven more uh, after Easter on the evidence of his exclusivity. <laughs> so I will keep going. What Jesus said to them, it can read as follows, literally can translate it. Because I am the way, the only way, therefore in me alone, you will find the whole truth and real life, which is eternal. That's a kind of paraphrasing it. So much for narrow-mindedness. <laughs> Think about this way, about it this way. Think about this Preachers of tolerance, who, by the way, I dealt with many of them, they are the most intolerant people on the face of the earth. They really are. They just accuse us of intolerance so they can shut us up. And somebody actually said that to me. Just think about one of those preachers of tolerance decided to call a phone number, and he dials a number. But one of the 10 digits is the wrong one. Right? He, he's all the number, then he got the wrong, num- the wrong number. And he would be absolutely or she infuriated. How dare the telephone company be so intolerant that they would judge me just on one digit. 
that have to have all the digits right. How intolerant they are. Just one digit and they give me the wrong number. How dare they insist that every digit I push must be right. Or think about it this way. I think most of you, if not all of you, agree that 20 plus 20 equals 40, right? Anyone disagrees? Raise your hand. That's okay. This is the age we live in. But one of those tolerant preachers of tolerance who is intolerant would say, I don't agree with that. I don't believe in that. I believe that 20 plus 20 equals 38. Think of how tolerant his bank would be with this kind of calculation. At this incident, I'm, that's what I believe. I don't care what the bank says, that's what I believe. Oh, think <laughs> how very intolerant the IRS <laughs> would be. <laughs> now, by the way, those of you watching overseas, the IRS is our tax department. <laughs> you have different names for them. How dare the bank, how dare the IRS, how dare the utility company uh, being so intolerant, so narrow-minded to refuse to accept what I believe that 20 plus 20 equals 38. It's intolerance. <laughs> we made a baby cry. <laughs> I don't blame you, kid. I'm entitled to believe that 20 plus 20 equals 38. Can you see how stupid that is? So when Jesus insisted that he is the way and the only way means that only those who go through him and him alone will have eternal life and eternally saved and will make it to heaven. God makes it very, very clear in his word that every human being on the face of the earth, every human being that's born of a woman, we're all born sinners. Yeah. 700 years before Christ, God said through Isaiah 53, 6, we are all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way. And that is why God made and provided only one way to come back to him, to return to him. And that is why when Jesus said, I am the way, he is saying categorically, categorically, there is not any other way. Please listen to me. While there are many ways to Jesus, there's only one way to the Father. You say, Michael, what do you mean by many ways to Jesus? Well. Be patient with me, okay? When I explain it, you'll understand it. Now, there are some people come to Jesus out of being overwhelmed with his amazing love. There are others who come to Jesus after being convicted of sin and judgment. Others still will come to Jesus because 
They cannot carry the burden of sin and guilt and shame. The others come to Jesus because they know that the wages of sin is death, but believing in Jesus, trusting Jesus, is life and eternal life. Listen to me. No one, no one, no one, no one on the face of the earth can ever come to God the Father except through Jesus. How you come to Jesus, which way you come to Jesus, this doesn't really matter. We saw his claim just a few messages ago. I am the door. The door. Not the doorkeeper. Not the door guard. Not the holder of the door. No. He is the very door itself. Oh, but there's more. No one. Please get this. Please get this. No one. No one has ever, 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 ever claimed to be the only way to God the Father and to heaven. No one. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, not Krishna. No, none of them. None of them. See, that's why I'm saying these false teachers are, are basically uh, preaching ignorance. These folks describe themselves in varieties of ways. They call themselves messengers or guide or, or teachers or whatever it may be. But they never said we're the way to heaven and to eternal life. Not one. Some foolishly think that they can climb over the door. <laughs> Others think that they can buy their way in. Uh, there are others who says, if you follow certain rituals, you will make it. Others foolishly think if you belong to a certain denomination, because they say you can't come to God the Father without going through Mother Church, that this is the only way you can be saved. No, 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 that's not what Jesus said. He said, he is the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. Sadly, these ways are dead end. But Jesus could not be more clear. Listen carefully. There are no shortcuts. Are you with me? Amen. There are no shortcuts. There are no side roads. There is no ways uh, app that show you alternate routes. There are no alternate routes. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus. But secondly, he is the only truth. Now, if you studied the other religions, you have to agree that there are tiny, 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 tiny smidgets of the truth in just about all of them. Tiny. You have to really look hard <laughs> to get a little bit of truth. Of course, the sad part about our culture today that would enough to make me weep is the truth has become a thing of the past. Amen. Truth is very relative. Uh, we joke about there are multiple sided for truth, your, your truth, my truth, that truth, and, and now it's, it's, it's myriads of sides to the truth. But Jesus is the absolute truth. A friend of mine who practiced law for a number of years, he said, never seen 
what he sees what's happening now is that people absolutely under oath in the court of law tell a bold face lies and they know it. Yes, in all the years of experiencing in the courts, I've not seen that. Today, we see a whole lot of people tell bold-faced lies. And they know it in the media, in public life. Oh, certainly politicians. Government officials stand behind a podium. And they tell you a bold-faced lie. And even those who are sitting there know it's a lie. They keep their mouth shut. See, brothers and sisters in Christ, when that happens, listen to me. We will have no civilization. We will have no civilization when the truth becomes rare. And when they are confronted with the truth, they say, oh, that's just your truth, not my truth. When Jesus said, I am the truth, he left us in no doubt whatsoever to the fact. He's not saying, I know the truth or that I have part of the truth. He says, when he said, I am the truth, he meant I am the embodiment of the truth and there can no truth exist apart from me. Can I get an amen? Amen. Back in the 80s, when I was involved in leadership training, I came across a man, and I got to know him really well for two, three years. He was one of the highest Islamic authority council member. And being trained to memorize, he memorized the Quran, and he's a lawyer by background, a brilliant man. And one day he says, I, you know, I've been attacking Christians all my life. I've never read their Bible. And he found that he was waiting in front of a, a bus station, in front of a bookstore, Christian bookstore. So he picks up a Bible, takes it home for 15 days. He doesn't leave the house, doesn't leave the room, reading the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And he, at the end, knelt and gave his life to Christ. The very, the very first question I asked him, what happened? He said, you could never read these hundreds of prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament and how Jesus fulfilled them all without believing. He memorized the entire New Testament. I remember one of the participants at one of those meetings and, and, and asked him, and, and he just would start in, you know, Matthew 15, 26. He starts like a tape recorder. But here's what he said that always intrigued me. Always intrigued me. He said, in my previous religion, we had tiny specks of the truth. It's, he said, it'd be like, you know, the team here did a, a good job for, from the description. He's like looking at a wall where the light bulb is coming through a board that has dots in it. So all you can see are dots until you turn around and come to Christ, then you see the whole light bulb. (laughs) You see the whole light. He said, in Christ, I was able to see the whole truth. I used to know smidgets of the truth before I came to Christ. 
Now I've found the whole truth. You know what? This is the sad part. After 2,000 years of Christianity, there's 500 years of Western civilization. Now so many people in the West who knew Christ to be the light, now they're turning to look at this dotted board wall from the, with the little truth and they make them all look alike. No wonder we are entering into a new dark ages. As a matter of fact, my dear friend, he went to be with the Lord, Chuck Colson, as prophesied, really, that's all I could call it, the prophecy. When he said the following, he said, we are entering new dark age brought on by relativism, radical individualism, and materialism. And he continued, he said, people, he said, have become so accustomed to the dark that they do not even realize that the lights are out. I am the way, says that we can be saved only through Jesus. I'm the truth, says that Jesus, the only one who can assure us of salvation. I am the life, says that you can be assured of eternal life here in this life. Jesus said, I came so that they may have life and have it abundantly. Remember that? Actually, that word life should be in capital L in English. Capital L. I think you know and I know that most people, you know, they live their life defensively. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean that, that we have survival instinct in us. I mean, that's just what God created in us. Uh, we try to live a life to the fullest. Uh, we try to squeeze everything uh, that we can out of life. Uh, that that we, we often, anything, we see that anything that impedes our life or causes us discomfort, anything that limits uh, or diminishes life, uh, we abhor and, and we abhor it vigorously and with passion. Why? God created us with a zest for life. But when sin came in, when sin entered in, the human heart it created the havoc, brought curses and diseases and death. Sin dictated that no matter how long we live, we will die. We must die. Sin says that we live, therefore, either afraid of death or some people like to think that death will never, they'll never experience the shadow of death. Some years ago, my friend and mentor, John Stott, told me this over 40 years ago. He said, if you really want to see and understand how secular mind works, and not just Hollywood, but just the secular mind, he said, read what Woody Allen writes. I said, who? <laughs> the Englishman knew, I didn't. <laughs> And, and I did. I began to really follow what this guy says. For example, one time he said, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it comes. <laughs> That's how the secular mind works. That's how Hollywood, fallacies. And when Jesus said, I am the life, he was saying that everyone who comes to the Father through me <laughs> 
should not be afraid of death. Did you get that? Should not be afraid of death. Or deny death's existence, as some people do. The Bible said, even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, they will renew their strength, and they will run and not get we- grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Amen. Oh, my beloved friends, when you come to Jesus, who is the way, when you come to Jesus, who is the whole truth, you'll receive not only eternal life forever with him, but you will live this life to its fullest as it's supposed to be. When you come to Jesus, he will place his spirit, a new spirit, his spirit in you, and his spirit will constantly invigorate you, energizes you, constantly renews you, and fills you with hope. Can I get an amen? And listen, the more time you spend with Jesus, the more your spirit is ignited and energized. The closer you walk with Jesus, the more spiritual vitality you will receive. The deeper you go with Jesus, the more focused on eternity with him you'll be. Let me tell you this as I conclude. Someone said years ago, you don't go to heaven to find Jesus. You go to Jesus to find heaven. In fact, there's an old song that I was sharing with Jeremy this week. And he said, I don't know this one. I said, this is very, very old, (laughs) really old. And it used to go something like this. It goes something like this. No matter where on earth we dwell, on mountaintop or the dell, in cottage or mansion fair, where Jesus is, tis heaven there. Oh, hallelujah, yes, tis heaven. Tis heaven to know my my sin is forgiven. On land or sea, no matter where, where Jesus is, tis heaven there. Thomas Akempsey once said, when Jesus said that, follow me, for I am the way, the truth, and the life, he was saying that without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. And without the life, there is no living. Oh, beloved, listen. Today, Jesus still calling, still calling. You know, every time I get a chance I will offer that invitation because you never know who is here and where you're struggling, what part, of, what, what part of, 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 in the journey you're on. He's still calling boys and girls, men and women. He's still calling. He's calling. And he says, come to me, for I am the way. I am the invaluable way. I am the infallible truth. I am the unending life. I am the way that is straight. I am the supreme truth. I am the life that is true and blessed for his uncreated life. If you abide in my way, Jesus said, you shall be my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
Would you stand up with me? Would you stand up with me? Lord, I, I don't know about others, but I know you know my heart. And I am the most unworthy servant of your grace, your amazing grace. And I thank you that your Holy Spirit opened my eyes long time ago to come to the only one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And so first I pray for those who are watching around the world and those in this beautiful sanctuary who might never have come and made that decision to come to the way, the truth, and the life. They will do it today. And Lord, for those who know and they've been sitting on their blessed assurance and never sharing the way, the truth, and the life, I pray that in these last days ignite in us such passion as to share Christ lovingly and thoughtfully and caringly. For Lord, we know that God does not desire, it is not his longing for people to, be, to perish but to be saved. And Lord, that's our desire too. Hear our prayers, for we pray them in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jeremy.